Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling as well as the news and events around the hobby. Let's join Mike and Kentucky Dave as they strive to be informative, entertaining, and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Folks, welcome to episode 84 of Plastic Model Mojo. Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? I can't complain. It's uh, coming off a busy week. More about that in a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Everything's clipping along, man. Some things better than others. So what's up in your model sphere, my man? Uh, pressure. Pressure <laughs> is up in my model sphere. I, uh, it turns out I've got 18 days to get this uh, Musaru finished, and uh, while it's it's not in bad shape, it's not where I want it to be. So uh, I I predict a couple of couple of long sessions uh, are in my near future if I hope to get this thing done because I've got to to at least get it finished to the point I can photograph it. <laughs> well, a couple of those folks have already crossed the finish line, so I think almost everybody has. <laughs> so well, I'm I'm feeling the pressure. You know, I was resigned to the fact that given the competitors, I wasn't going to win, but I got to get it done. <laughs> well, I hope you get it done. You and me both, brother. You and me both. So, how about your model sphere? Well, um. Uh... Ramping up for the start of the show season for us. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to make it up to Columbus with you and Skip this coming weekend. Yep. Oh, speaking of that, i got to reach out to Skip. Other than that, i tell you, last week was a, a low mojo week. I had lots of going on outside of outside of the model sphere. And, man, I had just about every night until the weekend was come down here and give the bench the thousand-yard stare. <laughs> You, I've, I, I, I so sympathize with that. I've been having that probably the last two weeks. Uh, you know, my trial canceled. And so in theory, I had all this time and then just one thing after another. And, uh, uh, yeah, I too have ended up, uh, down at the bench too many nights with, uh, with a lots of looking and no acting. <laughs> well hopefully well you you're, you're going to the show i'm hoping to go to the show maybe maybe that'll be the stick in the arm there you go hey listen there is nothing like a model show to reinvigorate you well that's for sure since we're recording i'm assuming that means you've got a modeling fluid to hand i do dave dave i've got a cerveza from uh west six brewing right here in lexington kentucky Oh, I did a West Six not too long ago. Which one you got? It's Cerveza. That's the name of oh. it. it it's oh, a, okay. Uh, it mimics uh, some of the Mexican brews like a Pacifico or a Modelo Especial. Oh, okay. Some of the little bit better ones. Gotcha. It's an easy drink. Hey, recording night, you always want an easy drink. <laughs> won't, which... uh, won't lay me low. <laughs> you want an easy drink, and I'm not sure I'm going to get one. What do you got? Uh, this is the last of the uh, beers that my wife got me for Christmas for use on the, on the Mojo. This is called 
Winter Ride. It's a double bock, dark roasted caramel Munich malts from Josef Brau Brewing Company out of San Jose, California. About a 7.5 ABV. And it's probably real syrupy. Uh, it is. It's it's dark. I can tell you from from looking, it's dark. Hang on. Might be malt heavy, man. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's very similar in taste to a Scotch ale, <laughs> uh, although not quite as offensive. But it definitely is malt heavy. It's kind of the the opposite of an IPA. This one's going to be an interesting one to get through the episode with. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. So, did we get any mail? We got a lot of mail again. My goodness. That's good. A few repeats, but that's all right. We got yep. a lot of newcomers, too, so we'll just uh, get right into that, Dave. All right. Uh, first up is uh, Mark Doremus from out... Uh, Jim Batesway on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm curious what their numbers were this year. He he had to make a correction, he says. I, he, he's saying last year they had less than 2,000 models. I think they they had 1,700 slightly less. is what he yeah. says. I think they had slightly less. But uh, uh, I just talked to Jim today, and we're recording the day after the their show wrapped up out there. Jim said that they had... 2,400 models, I think, and it was the second largest show that they've ever done. And he's created a forever job for himself. Uh, yes, in fact, we, we were discussing about that uh, <laughs> uh, this afternoon. He, uh, I think he realizes it's not a one-and-done job, especially when you hold a successful show. Mark says he's a little bit messy like you, and like your 13-foot workbench with the 8 by 10 inches of actual workspace available on it. Yep. Uh, he's wanting to get his organization together and he's asking, do we, or possibly the listeners have any suggestions for a modeling desk that he can close up at the end of a session, better storage systems or a covered desk to hide his mess. Now, way back first season, I think yep. we recommended somebody, one of those, uh, Gerstner knockoff tool chests. Yes, the from from uh, Har- Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight, the woodworkers tool chests. Or if you got the money and want to buy it, <laughs> yeah, if want to buy a Ger- an actual Gerstner's, uh, that is a, that is a great one. Um, if you want to go classy looking, a roll top desk. Uh, it doesn't give you a ton of space, but if you're modeling seventy second scale, it wouldn't be bad. Uh, and the nice thing about a roll top is when you're done, just roll that top down, lock it. Nobody, you know, it looks like a piece of antique furniture in the house. So if you've got limited room and a, a, a wife that, uh, uh, you know, doesn't want a model table out in the middle of her house, that's a, that's an option for you. Um, uh, another option is, uh, I don't know if he's interested in moving out of the space he's in now, which is just kind of out in the living area of the house or the, what do you say here? Kitchen table, main living area of the house. Yeah. Uh, if if they've got a, a spare bedroom or somewhere in the house where there's a, a closet, mm-hmm. it's like not in a corridor or something. Right. Um, you may have to convert the doors to either 
just swing open doors or accordion fold doors if it's, if it's got bypass doors on it. There's some some examples out there on the net of folks uh, actually putting a workbench in the closet. Yeah. And you just open it up when you want to use it and then just close it when you're done. Right. Kind of like a Murphy bed, except with, you know, you open the closet and pull the desktop down or whatever. All right. So it doesn't even have to be down. I mean, you got like 18 inches in there. Yeah. True enough. So could work. Could work for you, Mark. I don't know. I don't know what your exact situation I'll be interested to see what the uh, the members suggest. So uh, you all out there, especially you who are modeling in tight spaces or, uh, uh, you know, where you have to cover or fold up your work, let us know what you're doing. Post pictures on the dojo. Let us Give us some suggestions other than the ones we've, we've bounced around here. Up next is from right here in Lexington, Dave, Peyton Strippelhoff. Nice. And uh, he's 25 years old with a baby girl on the way, brand new to modeling. Perfect he- timing, man. <laughs> uh, he's only built some World War II aircraft so far, and he's thinking about taking a bite of uh, Tamiya's 48-scale Phantom Two. Oh, big. Or, or if we had any advice. Now, that, that would be the, the one caveat that that's going to be a lot of airplane. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of pieces of advice. Number one is that's a big airplane. Um you you'll need space both to work on it and then when you finish it because I know you're going to finish it you'll need a, a good space to display it uh or store it number 2 is that the phantom is can be a little bit challenging shape-wise and fit-wise not cuz it's a bad kid it isn't but just from the standpoint that uh, you know, it, it, because of the aerodynamic shapes, it's a little bit challenging. Um, the geeks, the model geeks, a couple of episodes ago did an episode on intakes that if you're going with Phantom, go dig back through their catalog, find that uh, episode and listen to it because that certainly will be helpful for you in dealing with those, uh, those challenging shapes. And actually, their latest episode, they actually, in one of their conversations, they they touch on a little bit about the available 48-scale Phantoms out there and how they're broken down a little bit. And uh, my impression was that Tamiya was their favorite as far as fit and engineering. Yeah. That's almost always the case. (laughs) Almost always the case, unless you get something really old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The next two are, are some shows, Dave. Okay. First off is uh, Jason Campbell. Now, he's from Tennessee, I believe, and he's the one who's been writing in about the Gunpla stuff. Yep. And uh, he's asking us for around May 20th to come down to the Knoxville Club show. Now, we've talked about this. I I would like to do that if we could. Because, well, A, I like Knoxville. I think Knoxville is kind of a, a, an underappreciated, unique town. And uh, so, I don't know. We'll have to look at what the schedule looks like. Yep. Well, that's well past Derby, so yeah, should maybe too maybe your parents can come into Knoxville and we can have dinner with them after the show. <laughs> we could. <laughs> and he's you know he's, he's trying to stir up the Gunpla crowd down there in that region to uh, attend, and because they've got their own category in the show now. So oh, that's good. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. And to our point about uh, moving to other genre from Gunpla, and, and actually, to be fair, some folks have moved from traditional subjects into gunpla yeah 
Um, he's working on a P51 from Tamiya and Edward MiG-21 and AMT A20. All right. All good a, subjects. And a Tester's U2, ER2. Oh, man. Is that the old Hawk kit? That's, that's, I don't know that it was ever out in a Hawk box, but uh, it is the old Tester's U2. That, that, that kit dates back into the 80s. And that a- AMT A20 is probably fun. Yes. <laughs> it is a challenging kit. Uh, Pete Kulos. Writing in on behalf of the Artist Preservation Group, this is a bunch of uh, figure guys who raise money for historic preservation, and they're kind of in the Gettysburg, Pennsylvania area, it would seem. It's a good place. And uh, he's asking us to give a shout out for the, uh, what do they call it? Back to Gettysburg, August 17th through 20th, 2023. It's held with the National Park Service and the Gettysburg Foundation at the Gettysburg Visitor Center. And there'll be a painting class on Thursday and Friday before the show. Uh, they sent us a flyer. We'll put that up on the dojo. And if you're in that kind of, what is that, central Pennsylvania area? Kinda? Yep. So- Southern central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, maybe something you want to check out, especially if you're into figures. Yep. Absolutely. Or as a curiosity. I mean, that's we used to go to the Chicago show just as curiosity. Mostly. Oh, I loved the Chicago show when we went. Big fun. Yes. So there's the plug for that. Man, they just keep coming. <laughs> well, here's a good one, Dave. All right. Dear David Knight's Esquire. Oh, God. I'm writing at this time with the unfortunate duty of informing you <laughs> that you have committed an egregious cultural misappropriation. An affront, in fact, to the culinary heritage of my home state of New Mexico. Uh Uh-oh. In a recent episode while waxing nostalgic about attending the IPMS Nationals in Albuquerque, you made some commentary, which frankly is too painful to bear verbatim repetition. (laughs) I know what I did here. In which you have conflated Tex-Mex with what we in the land of enchantment know to be a higher form of Mexican food. I can only hope, as I know you to be an honorable gentleman, that it was simply down to you being wasted on peanut butter whiskey rather than intentional hate speech. Nonetheless, it is important as a resident of the land of enchantment to let you know that confusing Tex-Mex with New Mex-Mex is offensive in the same way it would be to confuse McDonald's with Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 1970s Ravel with 2022 Tamiya, Pretty much any other paint with MRP, Mad Dog 2020 with whatever modeling fluid you're drinking at the moment. Now, these things happen, and rather than commit the knee-jerk reaction that is so popular these days and demand that you be canceled forthwith, I recommend instead you attend sensitivity training at an appropriate eating establishment when you're in the Austin area for nationals. Fortunately, even in the heart of Texas, there are a few islands of sanity in a sea of bad ranchero sauce. Chewy's is a good bet. It's only through the cleansing fire found in a bowl of green chili stew that you'll be truly purified. I wish you guys the best in your journey toward enlightenment and the ultimate goal of being able to rejoin polite society. Yours, Will Patterson. I have to give it to Will. He is absolutely 100% correct, and I knew it when I did it. Uh, the people of New Mexico take great pride in the fact that their Mexican heritage blended cuisine is both different and better than Tex-Mex or Mexican. And he's right. 
Uh, having attended the Nationals in, in uh, Albuquerque, I can testify that, indeed, it was some of the finest Mexican heritage-inspired food that New, I've ever New had. Mex Mex, they New Mex Mex, yes. <laughs> I didn't know that they had given it a name, New Mex Mex, okay? I appreciate his not immediately calling for me to be canceled. Uh, I, I further appreciate his opportunity to allow me to expand and clarify my previous remarks. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to some good, uh, uh, Tex-Mex and if we can find it in Texas, New Mex-Mex food while we're in Austin and maybe a cerveza or two. Well, as long as it's good, man, I'm going to eat it. You and me I, li- I like some green chili sauce, man. Oh, quick story. When my wife was still flying for Southwest Airlines, in fact, back in the beginning, she'd go through Albuquerque a lot. And they had in the airport a food place that made a green chili chicken soup that she loved. Just absolutely fell in love with them and convinced them to give her the recipe. And she brought the recipe home, and she makes it every once in a while. It is awesome. It just absolutely is. She's a great cook to begin with, but that is one of her best dishes: is green chili chicken soup. So maybe I'll maybe sometime during the summer when you're here at the pool, Mike, uh, I'll I'll see if she'll whip up a batch, and you can have some for yourself. We'll have to try that. And you can get to Chewy's and get this re-education out of the, wor- out of the way early, man. <laughs> get the big fajita chicken burrito and have them pile the green chili sauce on it. Man, that's there you good, go. That's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, Peter Kwong again from Vancouver, British Columbia. Now he's got some uh, topics for the Wheel of Accidental Wisdom. Good. And then I guess he was took a little humor in your direct-to-estate sale comment on your CA-133. <laughs> uh, apparently he did something similar he's got a uh a20g kit well what's he got here he bought the costa aero enterprises kit which is an amazing kit for ten dollars yeah because he's got the amt a20 see, right. that's second time tonight at a20g kit from amt came up yeah came up and uh, he's got the the costa kit and where did i see it i think it's um alan from uh from old model kits, our our guest a while mm-hmm. back, uh, I think on his website he's got one of these coster kits and says that the parts in it, if you don't want to use the vacuum form, are a great upgrade. Oh, they are <laughs> for it, for it, the uh, for the AMT A twenty. Yep, Coster Cost, Bill Coster, who I believe was one of the designers for Monogram. He did. He had his own line of vacuform. Yeah, I remember him. conversions, accessories, and full kits, and full kits. And his stuff was fantastic. Absolutely, fa- I mean, top of the top of the line, state of the art vac forms for the day, and could be built up into beautiful kits. So, you know, if he decides to do, I'd encourage him to pull out the AMT kit. And the coster, take a look at it. And Just bash him, man. Bash him and make a run at it. Kevin Patrick's back now. He, uh, the last time he wrote in, he was talking about that he had joined IPMS. He was getting ready to go to his first model show, which was going to be Model Fiesta, which was very recently. Right. So 
He did join the society. He did go to Model Fiesta, and he did enter his T-38A in the model contest. Good. And uh, had a great time. His first show. We we talk about shows all the time and how, how fun it is. And uh, looks like we were right again, Dave. Well, that Model Fiesta is a good one to start with. Well, he says it was a pretty good crowd. Model room, vendor room were crowded. Uh, he picked up uh, the armor kits you're trying to get together. <laughs> I guess all the hype around the Moose Roo's got him interested in it, sounds like. it. It I am here to tell you, it is a really good kit. You have to take your time, pay attention, read the instructions three times before you do anything. But it is a really, really good kit. Well, and other things you can do at the show is buy raffle tickets. And he did that and uh, walked away with a Tamiya 48-scale P38J and a couple, oh, of, a couple of Glenn Hoover assembly books. Score, and those books are going to send him down a thirty-second scale rabbit hole. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't throw all thirty-second scale or not. The two I've got are thirty-second scale projects, but uh, yeah, good books. We should they talk are. to him sometime. Yep. And of course, he met some people at Mata Fiesta who were helpful and informative, and plan on going to their next chapter meeting. So, well, that's fantastic. There's your, man. There's your convert, and he closes with a bunch of life distractions. So, Kevin, we can sure sympathize and empathize with that. Um, that's right. Sometimes you, you get the big bag of life, and it takes you a while to get through it all, get to the yep. bottom of it. Indeed. Bob Bear, the voice of Bob. The voice of Bob. Now, since helping us out with some of our uh, intros and bumps and ads and stuff, uh he sent us in a little bit of trivia based on something you said in a recent episode. Okay. Uh, the whole nine yards. Yep. I know what the whole nine yards means. Well, maybe you don't because you probably yeah. think it means like everybody else thinks it means. It's the 27-foot length for 50 caliber ammo belts. That's the, that is the reputed story. Uh, he says there's evidence this phrase uh, being used 50 years before that pertaining to the fabric industry. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, so who knows? Hmm. Interesting. They both could be right. They both could be. And on his bench is his uh, MAK Machining Krieger uh, Falca bomber. Sounds like his cat did a little uh, dance on it for him. And oh no, you you induce some negative modeling. You 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 must keep the model room pet free. Now Bob here is uh, thinking outside the box. And uh, thinking this could be an opportunity. Should he repair it or uh, have some twisted and deformed battle damage or weld seams or a patch plate type repair? You know, it's machining Krieger. I think I yep. think you can do whatever you want, Bob. That yeah, Absolutely. It's your model. You can do whatever you want. And, you know, sometimes when life hands you lemons, you make some lemonade. He'll probably come back and tell us where that came from. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mike DeFelice is writing in, Dave, to uh, add a little commentary around your, well, comments and questions about the Airfix marketing direction. Yeah. He was a little disappointed to see only two real new tool serious models in 2023. He's not the only one. <laughs> and uh, you want to give a shout out to Hobby Haven in Des Moines, Iowa? Well, they had a bunch of kits there, for, Airfix kits there, and the last time he visited in January, the rack was almost empty, and he said the store clerk said... Uh, a lot of those kits sell really quick. Yep. And uh, the starter kits especially, so the store clerk thought were really, really successful. So there's the upside to that. And he wants to lobby for a, 
an Aichi E13A, Jake, 48 scale? Uh, uh, that's the last one would be the old Nichimo kit, yep. I think. And uh, I know somebody used to make a big resin upgrade for that. But anyway, it's yep. old. And yep. the resin's not available anymore. And he wouldn't mind seeing Airfix uh, kick that one off. <laughs> well, right, 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 Nask. It never hurts. They're always saying, uh, if you follow Airfix on Twitter, they are always constantly asking, "Hey, what should we do next?" So you know, you never know when they you know, reply to them, and maybe they'll take up your suggestion, whatever it might be. Bob Hallinger from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, is back again. He's wanting to talk a little bit about uh, vacuform canopies and how to get them out of the, you know, the the plug and yeah. get them to fit right. I, you know, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've used several, and I can tell you, I don't either. Uh, it is it is witchcraft. Uh, it is. I, I mean, there. are lots of guys out there who do it and get them successfully cut out. I know there are strategies involving tape uh, as a cutting edge when you're cutting it out of the uh, the surrounding plastic. Uh, there are other folks who put the kit canopy up in it, if it's a direct draw from the kit canopy, and then use that as a stiffening slash cutting guide. Um, you know, we'll have to talk to somebody who does that really well because that is, that is one of those areas that's just, that's voodoo magic as far as I'm concerned. And he's got a question for us and the listeners. Okay. What is the oldest surviving build you still have on the shelf? For him, it's a Tamiya Yog Panther he built in 1973. I have somewhere, I have a, Matchbox or Airfix, I think it was Matchbox, Buffalo from, or at least most of the pieces of it, <laughs> uh, from, this has to have been mid-1970s. Oh, mine's a little diorama made with a, uh, to me, a SDKFC 222. I think the date on the back of it is 1984. Oh my gosh, you actually dated it? Yeah. Smart move. And you know what's interesting about this this build is it's I've toyed about rebuilding it, not the old one, but doing it again, right? With like the the TriStar SDKFC two twenty two, right? Just do and, do and do modern it. figures, right? And just do it again and just have them have the two as a comparison. Because it it would not only does it show all of your modeling progress, but it I'm sure would show all of the progress in the basic materials, kits, and techniques that have transitioned over those years. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I need to think up something else to build, but <laughs> that's uh, had me poking around eBay for those those things. Equivalent figures, similar right. poses, but not the same, but better yeah. re- new modern resin figures or, or whatever. Yeah. Certainly a possibility. Rock Rosak's back with the detail and scale. So what are they doing? They got another new book. Okay. And he wishes we could make the old, old Dominion open. Maybe next year. I would like to go. Have, having grown up in Virginia, I would like to go back. Their latest book from Detail and Scale is the F-105 Thunder Chief. Good plane. 
check it out, folks. Detail and scale. I'm sure the geeks will have rock on to talk about that one. I would think uh, so. In a lot of detail, but, uh, you know, www.detailandscale.com. Check it out. Uh, I don't know if it's in print just yet. Possibly. They'll probably be at the Old Dominion Open in Richmond. Drop by. Say hello to them, and uh, the geeks will be there. Say hi to those guys, too. But uh, check out the new book, F-105 Thunder Chief in Detail and Scale. And finally, our friend from New York, Michael Karnalka. All right, we got a question. I was wondering if there was a memorable time when you entered a hobby shop that was so packed with kits and reference material that you felt as if you'd stepped into modeling Nirvana or Shangri-La. And is that shop still around? Um, I can answer that. Two, two answers. Number one, we are blessed that our local hobby shop is, for all intents and purposes, that place. You can walk in. It is packed with kits, with decals, with reference. If you had never been, if you're visiting Louisville, make it a point to drop into that shop. Give yourself a couple of hours because you will spend a lot of time going through all of the stuff there. And you'll find tons of uh, little detail parts and books. And I mean, we're lucky that we have that because not many places do. The only other time I've experienced that in modern times is I had, God, this has got to be six, seven years ago. I had a business trip to Denver. And my hotel was, we got in a day early, the afternoon before the uh, conference, the business conference started. So ended up getting to the hotel and looked up that Colpar Hobbies was like four miles from the hotel. And it was a beautiful day in Denver. And uh, instead of Ubering or getting a cab or anything, I actually walked from my hotel to Colpar. And it's a very similar experience. You walk into the shop and it is just packed with everything that you could possibly want. And I spent a lazy couple of hours in the shop, ended up buying several kits, taking them back to my hotel room. I did not have tools or anything to work on them, but I, I spent the spent the evening fondling the plastic uh, on those kits. And uh, those are my two big hobby shop experiences where you walk in and it's just almost overwhelming. I've got a couple. Um, the first one, they're both international, actually. I figured they would be. Um, the first one is Continental Model and Toy Company in, in Kowloon in Hong Kong. You talk about 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. <laughs> this shop is that. And, you know, it's the one funny. Where you, have to, you have to turn sideways to walk through the aisles. Yeah. If you've got any girth at all, you're going to have to turn sideways to walk down the aisles. And then there's all these wire shelves up above ceiling level with, with his overstocks up there. And um, if, if you're in Kowloon, You've got to subway up within a block or two of this shop and find it and go in there. And it's really unbelievable. I've been there probably three times in my Asia travel and I've ordered from them since then stateside. And it's just so much stuff. And the prices are, are, 
especially on the on the Chinese indigenous brands, yeah, and the Hong Kong brands, uh, they're ridiculously low. I mean, yeah. they're they're basically you're walking in and the, and the shop price is what retailers are paying from distributors here in the United States. And man, the first time I did it, I brought some kits back and the boxes didn't fare so well in the suitcase. And so the next time when I came to China, uh, I made these two big two ply cardboard panels that fit inside the bottom of my suitcase. And then when I went to the continental model and toy and I bought my stuff, I put the first double panel in there and then put all my kits and clothes in there and then put the other one on top and zipped up my suitcase. And, uh, that, that seemed to work out. So I, I, I liked it so much. I anticipated going there and buying stuff that I, I, I fixed my soft sided suitcase. So I wouldn't have a disaster. <laughs> the, the other one was a long time ago. This was back, uh, in, uh, the summer of 1985. I was between my senior, my junior and senior year of, of high school. And I spent about a month in Berlin and then our classmates, we had a tour of, Southern or Bavaria and then Switzerland and Austria and Liechtenstein, all that. But during the time I was in Berlin, uh, about a block down from the row house, the family, my host family lived in, there was this old hobby shop toy store, kind of a sub basement. You know, it had windows, but you had to go down below street level to get in like a half basement kind of place. Was it called the Fuhrer's Bunker? (laughs) No, it wasn't called the Fuhrer's Bunker. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. It's a Vietnamese restaurant now. I got on uh, Google Maps just to see. I didn't think it would still be there, but I was just curious. Um, I-, I walked into this shop, and at this time, I was still into a lot of the the Airfix seventy or H O double O stuff, and yeah. we were, we were playing war games on the billiard table at home with that stuff. Yeah, and I walk into this shop, and it's like they hadn't restocked their models kit selection, literally. Since 1970. So on the shelves in there were Airfix, you know, the Play Forts, the Sherwood Forest, the Waterloo right. Farmhouse, the Pontoon Bridge, the Roman Fort, all that stuff. In the the boxes with the blue ends on them with the, not the round Airfix logo label, but with just the banner. Right. Just stacks of this stuff. And then the HO scale figures like the British world war one Royal horse artillery that you couldn't find in the United States. I mean, it'd been out of production forever and I didn't buy any. I bought a bunch of that stuff and filled up one of these pre-sized uh, Deutsche post shipping boxes you could get. It's, it's about, I don't know, foot wide and two feet long and a foot deep. I mean, mm-hmm. it was metric, but that's about what it was. Jam packed that thing full of that stuff, sent it home. Uh, <laughs> but the, I mean, the other stuff I remember them having was like a bunch of, uh, to me, a hundredth scale aircraft kits. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are old. Those are old, old. And 48 scale armor, not the new stuff, but they, they dabbled in 48 scale, I believe, in the late sixties and early seventies. Yeah. Um, not much, but I remember seeing that stuff there. So that was kind of a Shangri-La kind of experience too. Just to, I mean, that stuff was old then in 1984. It was old. It was 20 yeah. years old then, probably some of it. Um, Real fun experience. Well, Dave, that's all the email side of this. Uh, has anything been happening on Facebook Messenger? Now I know it has. I'm, be, I'm oh, being, yeah, absolutely it being has. facetious there. Well, what is it? Tell uh, us about it. Well, uh, a number of people. Not only did I offend uh, did, did I offend New Mexicans everywhere, 
by referring to it as Tex-Mex rather than the New Mex-Mex. Uh, also, at least two people pointed out that when I quote somebody, I ought to get it right. Because (laughs) the luckiest man on the face of the earth was indeed Lou Gehrig, not Joe DiMaggio. Although, as one person pointed out, when Joe married Marilyn, maybe he was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. But in any event, yes, I boofed that one. So, yes, it was Lou Gehrig, not Joe DiMaggio. Christian Gurney reached out to say... We were talking about uh, why so much of what's being announced new modeling-wise is 3D-printed accessories. He thinks that it's at least partly a function of, since 3D is still and CAD is still new to a lot of the hobby, that people are producing the accessories because, first because they're maybe easier to model up in CAD and smaller and easier to print. And uh, thinking that, that, you know, that's why what we're seeing in modeling in 3D is most is not full kits, but add-ons. So, which leaves open the question of, as people get more experienced and, and all, are we going to see more and more ambitious 3D printed stuff, including full kids. Sure. That's probably a pretty good point. Yeah. Speaking of, of shows, Zach Pease reached out and he asked us to mention uh, they have an annual scale hobby swap meet at their March 18th, uh, on March 18th, 2023, the IPMS Central Connecticut uh, Modelers Club. They have a uh, annual scale hobby swap meet that is March 18th, 2023 in Glastonbury, Connecticut. So he asked me to mention that. So there you go. Mentioned it. Lee Edmonds reached out to dispute the fact that music uh, died in 1976. He actually thinks it died in 1750 with the, je- with the death of Johann Sebastian Bach although he is willing to say that it briefly came back to life between 1963 and 1970 with Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Since then, he says there's nothing. Oh, and finally, a a member who goes by, a listener who goes by the name The Scale Armorer. So I have no idea who that person actually is. But uh, he actually sent a modeling fluid recommendation Uh, There's a company called the Rum Company of Fiji. And as you might expect, they make rum. He recommended one of their eight-year-old rums with orange chocolate and coffee flavors. And uh, uh, he said it is really good on the rocks or with a squeeze of lime and soda water in a tall glass. So, you know, I like rum, particularly in the, in the spring and summertime. Rum drinks, are, rum drinks are really nice around the pool, so I appreciate that suggestion. Goes well with your three-corner hat and your eye patch. There you go. Arr, matey. <laughs> Is that all we got, Dave? That, that's it. All right. Thank you.
This is the point in the episode where I ask you when you're done listening, if you would, please go and rate the podcast on whatever app you use to listen. Please give it five stars. It helps drive uh, the visibility of the podcast. Also, if you have a modeling friend that isn't listening to Plastic Model Mojo, we'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment, tell that friend about us, get them to listen, even help them set it up on their phone if they need to. Because a recommendation from a current listener is probably the best way we have of growing the podcast. The podcast continues to grow. We're thrilled, and it's all down to you, the listeners. And after you've done that, please check out the other podcasts out in the model sphere. You can do that by going to www.modelpodcast.com. That's modelpodcastplural.com. It's a consortium website set up with the help of Stuart Clark at the Scale Model Podcast from up in Canada. Now, he set this up to have banner links to all those participating in this uh, mutual cross-promotion through the website. You can go there, and there'll be a banner link to all the all participating websites. In addition to the podcast, we've got some blog and YouTube friends out there. Chris Wallace, model airplane maker, has been kicking out some good YouTube content and blog content of fairly recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Groves, an inch high guy, all things 70 second scale. Check out the inch high guy blog, and uh, you can find... Uh, a lot of build, a lot of builds there. He's a group, uh, a huge batch builder, and yep. uh, does a lot of interesting things. A lot of cross genre stuff, but all in seventy second scale. Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Frets, long and short form blog there. Check that out. There's always some good commentary there on the scale modeling hobby. And we've already mentioned Jim Bates, a scale Canadian TV, just hosted the big show out in Seattle at the Museum of Flight, and uh, hopefully we're going to see something from him again here soon. Yep. And I talked to him today, we're hoping, and he's still back and forth on this, we're hoping that he's going to uh, make an appearance one way or another at Heritage Con. So here's hoping that we get to see Jim in person in the live. Also on YouTube, we've got Mr. Evan McCallum, Panzermeister36, who set a dangerous precedent for himself in releasing two videos within eight days. So Yep. And both both of them are great. Panzermeister 36 on YouTube. Finally, if you're not a member of IPMS USA, IPMS Canada, IPMS Norway, whatever country you live in, if you're not a member of your national IPMS organization, please consider joining. The, IP, the International Plastic Modeler Society is an uh, umbrella organization that unites modeling clubs within a country and then uh, also does international sharing and communication with the other IPMS national organizations. It's a bunch of guys who are giving up their some of their free modeling time to make modeling better for everybody. It's not very expensive to join in almost every country. Please consider joining. All right, Dave, let's take a short one here and have a word from our sponsor. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. All right, Dave, the Benchtop Halftime Report brought to us by Tackett Z. Tackett Z, the must-have tools for the model maker. Check out all Ed's offerings at www.tackettz.com. 
Dave, I know what you're working on. <laughs> My bench top you've, you've, is. You've already mentioned it. It's got one thing and one thing only on it that is getting any attention right now. And it's the Arma P51, the Musaru build. Frankly, uh, having talked to the guys from Hamilton, uh, gave me a real wake-up call on how quickly I need to finish this thing. So I'm I'm right at the priming painting stage, and so I've just got to run to the finish, man. I got to run to the finish. <laughs> Nothing that's else, it. Huh? That's, that's the only it? thing. Really? That's that's it. I got other stuff on the bench. None of it's getting touched. You got to get that monkey off your back, man. I do. I do. So what's your bench top look like? Well, with the low mojo, nothing's moved forward, really. I haven't done any more work on the catapult for the E16. Well, I got all the highlight painting done. Yes, you did. Uh, I I think I may have had that done last episode. I don't know. I think you did it right after when when uh, we got together with the Canadians on that Friday. I think you put the finishing touches okay, on so, it. Okay, so that is all done. The thing's been clear-coated again, satin finished, so it's ready for the washes and, and stuff. I need to give the catapult base a little bit of attention and uh, get that primed. And, you know, I keep flirting with starting the, starting the weather and paint the airplane, but I haven't got there yet. Other than that, about the only other thing I've been working on is a a buildup of that little kilometer post. I was going to mention that if you didn't. You did um, not only print that 3D Russian kilometer post, but you've actually taken one, cleaned it up, painted it, and, and you know, gave it a number and the whole nine yards. And I like the way you painted it up. Well, I got some weathering to do on it yet. Uh, right. I really need to finish that this week. Because if, if I make it... If I can make it to Columbus, I'm going to take it with me and, and take a handful of these prints up there. And if, if, if anybody's interested, they can take some home. Sure. Uh, for a nominal fee, maybe. There you go. Same for uh, Heritage Con. I know some yep. of those guys want them. And so I'm going to have to print up another build plate full of them and have them ready for that trip as well. But I want to get this thing painted and weathered as, a, as just a photo example of how to finish it. And who knows? I was joking with Evan that this... This thing might turn into the next Verlinden Buddha. There you go. Yeah, it'll be in everybody, every Russian vehicle, every German and Russian Eastern Front vehicle base from here on out. Well, we've been lame, Dave. We're going to have to pick it up. I know. So, uh, Mike, have you been buying anything model related? You know, I'm going to, to think real hard here because <laughs> I, I think I, not only have I been lame on, on the bench time. You had the that big rush where you bought a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah, I don't think I bought anything since then. I've been good, Dave. Yeah, I may I've made up for it. My wallet is intact and it's gonna be ready for the first show I make it to, whether it is uh Columbus this Saturday or if it is Heritage Con. Yeah. One or the other. If or maybe both, I don't know. I, I have upheld the honor of our podcast by making up for your lack of contribution to the hobby industry, hobby manufacturing and hobby related industry. Cause I finally did it. I pulled the trigger. I bought the cameo four. All right. Now, uh, that 
still in the box, isn't it? It it well, the box has been opened. In my defense, <laughs> the box has been opened. Uh I and I also, at the recommendation of one of our listeners, uh went to Craft Cutter Supply and got two rolls of the film recommended film for making masks. So I've got everything. But the pro- here's the problem I've got right now. I would love to spend a couple of weeks just playing with that, but that would take away the hobby time that I desperately need to utilize to get the Musaru finished. Well, so you have to wait till after the Musaru cup that's, is done. That's what I'm saying. My pledge is I've got this thing here, but I am not going to fiddle with it. I'm not going to even download the software for it until I get the Musaru done. So, because I know once I do, I'll get distracted by it and and lose a couple of weeks of hobby production. So you should, you should it, probably uninstall Cross of Iron from your laptop too. <laughs> it, that's actually probably true because I've <laughs> I've played four <laughs> campaigns. Uh, two Russian and two German. I enjoy the heck out of that game, man. <laughs> you, you, you killed me. <laughs> Maybe in the coming weeks we'll have uh, something to say here. That's right. Maybe we'll go to Columbus and spend some money and go to Heritage Con and spend some money. I'm sure I'll spend some money up there. there there's, a, there's a tool guy that uh, Stu Clark keeps raving about up there. Well, good. We'll have to see what that's all about. Yep. Well, Dave, that's it. We're going to move on and hear a little bit from Bases by Bill. Getting the right-sized base for your model, diorama, or vignette can be difficult and time-consuming. Bases by Bill has the solution with their all-new custom-sized display bases. Offering sizes of 4 to 30 inches, you choose the dimensions you want and get the size you need every time and they can laser engrave the base with a unit emblem or text all to your specifications. Better still, shipping is included within the lower U.S. 48 states. Built by modelers for modelers, Bases by Bill has bases and display cases for any type of model and for any size. Visit their website at basesbybill.com to see their products or to get your own custom-built base or display case quote. Use the code MOJO at checkout to apply a 15% listener discount to your order. That code again is MOJO for 15% off. Bases by Bill for all your model display needs. Well, Dave, our special segment tonight is special segments. We got a couple, as you've already alluded to. We spoke to the folks uh, at HeritageCon. But first, if we got any... Regional shows of note. We know we've got Columbus coming up, and we've it's kind of Col- show season. Show season kickoff. So we got Columbus. Right. Uh, the the this will drop Friday. Columbus is Saturday, so right. We can listen to ourselves on the way up. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh please no! Well, you, we've got uh, Indy coming up in April. Yeah. Uh, so that would be Columbus Heritage Con. Indy would be February, March, and April for us. And if we keep up a pace of one a month, I'm going to end up dead or divorced. Uh, yeah, so going to have to have a little breather in there somewhere. Going to have to have some breathers in there. But uh, as far as that goes, those are the ones that I can think of that are upcoming. Of course, uh, in the fall, we've got the Region 4 Regional here in Louisville 
So that's going to be a two-day show. Yeah, that's a little down the road, though. Yep. Anyway, uh, getting it, you know, we could go to Knoxville in May. So we we, we oh, have opportunity. Right. We have opportunity through May anyway. Yeah, it's a lot of shows. Columbus, Heritage Con, Indy, Knoxville, Divorce Court. <laughs> well, <laughs> better pick and choose. Yeah, we're going to have to be careful. Well, we had the pleasure of announcing last episode that. Uh, is our full intent to be at Heritage Con here in in, uh, in March. And in the run-up to that, we had uh, the Hamilton crew on for a few words about the show. And uh, let's hear what they had to say, Dave. Dave, we've got a big event coming up here soon. And uh, we have some of the, uh, the team making that event possible. We have the folks from Heritage Con on the line tonight. We have Duncan Young, Ian Fraser, and Alan Mural. And gentlemen, thanks for joining us on Plastic Model Mojo tonight. Thanks. It's a pleasure. We are excited because we're actually coming up there to to meet you guys and hang out with you guys for a day or so. And uh, won't you give us, uh, somebody give us a a high level of uh, the show, when it is, where it is, and uh, what we can expect. Um, So it's it's Sunday, March 26th uh, from nine to 4 PM. And it's hosted at the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum in Mount Hope or Hamilton, um, directly beside the Hamilton international airport. So it's a good geographic reference. Um, we're, it's, it's, we're expecting a, you know, a great turnout. Um, last year, I think we were over 2000 attendees and considering that, uh, you know, borders were, you know, not easy to cross and, you know, COVID just coming out of that for, you know, 20 early 2022 the world reopening um we're expecting a (laughs) a banner show again this year and yourselves coming up we've got other guests down from the states and across canada within ontario um we're 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 really looking forward to it it's going to be a great show well one thing i wanted to, to ask up front is last year uh there were some restrictions or limitations, I will call them. I don't know their restrictions, but uh, you're taking pre-registration and you were kind of putting a, a cap on the number of attendees. Yeah, Ian, do you want to speak to that as, as the head judge? Sure. Uh, yeah, last year, because of the, the big C issues, uh, we weren't sure of what kind of uh, turnout we were going to get. We were either going to get very limited turnout or a just a complete avalanche. So we decided to play it a little bit safer uh, last year, and we put a limit of I think it was five models on uh, on per entrant per person, uh, just because we knew we could handle more, uh, but we really didn't know how many people were actually going to show up with uh, with the restrictions. Um, so we put that in place last year, uh, but that is off the board. There's uh, no restrictions in the number of entries this year. Uh, there is a restriction on how much table space you can actually take up with your <laughs> entries. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And that happens, that happens to be roughly half a table, uh, roughly 30 by 30 inches. Uh, so we did that simply because we know a lot of 30 second scale modelers who have been very busy over the last few years who didn't come last year. So we didn't want them to take up in an entire section with one entry. So, so we've, uh, we've put a, a physical size restriction. If you can fit it in that much space, great, because many as you want, uh, 
to the benefit of 72nd and 35th scale guys. That's works it well. Um, but uh, again, no restrictions. Uh, and uh, and there, there's no pre-registration this year. Um, we had a little glitch with our system and we decided that we're going to hold off on trying to roll out anything that wasn't completely tested again. So we decided we'll go back to the old school analog system. So <laughs> download your form, fill it out. Uh, you can fill it out online, uh, print it, bring it with you that day. You'll pay your money. You get your stamps. You take your stuff out to the tables, just like we did. Oh, way, way back, like three years ago. So that's uh, <laughs> So it's, uh, like yeah, yeah it, well, it seems, it seems a lot longer since the last time we did it, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a system that works. Um, it has its drawbacks. We understand that, but, uh, it's pretty much foolproof nowadays. So we're, we're going back, we're reverting back this year. We do have plans for the future, uh, to go with an automated system, uh, but that won't be happening until at least 2024 and we'll see how the rollout works. Well, I mean, that, that would be great. And, but I'll say that even access to the, to the registration forms ahead of time for just the average person coming to the show is yeah. a big benefit just yeah. to have all that out of the way and just walk in the door, walk up to the table, pay your money, take your stuff to the tables mm. and not, not sit there at, <laughs> uh, at a table and fill that stuff out. Now, speaking of <laughs> yeah, money, if we if, do, I have to get some of that really pretty Canadian money, or go through my change and pull out all the loonies and toonies to to pay my entry fee. Well, you could pay in U.S., Dave, but you're not going to get the exchange. Okay. So you're going to take it at parity. Oh. So it's in our favor. So by all means, oh, bring your green dollar bills. We'll accept them at parity, and it's all good. We'll 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 fly with that. That that's like the that's like the old. Uh, West German marks versus East German marks parody trade at the <laughs> yeah. at the in the checkpoint Charlie. <laughs> Bring a wheelbarrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I had a question. I, I was we were talking before we we got on here that uh, we do a build night with some of our friends up in Ottawa, and I was floating the question uh, for attendees coming from the United States. Uh, the vendors there, if they're retailers, they're off their normal premises, and I, I imagine there's probably some the stash mm-hmm. selling type folks there as well. Would you recommend for us, anyone from the coming, coming from the United States to, uh, to uh, get a big fat wad of Canadian cash to come in there? I would. I think it, you kind of hit it on the mark there, Mike. Um, retailers are going to be able to take card, um, but they're going to be taking card in Canadian dollars as, as their denomination. So you might get hit on the back end with, you know, an exchange, which would be in your favor, but then any administrative costs probably, um, but yeah, the majority of people who are, you know, vending stash, you know, I, myself and a couple of the other guys, we've, we've taken a table, it'll be cash only. Um, you know, someone might do an e-transfer or something if the person's doing that on the spot, but again, you're going to be Canadian bank to Canadian bank. So yeah, I'd say get some exchange at the crossing or at your local currency exchange and that'll do you well. Well, uh, another thing I want to ask you guys was uh, kind of in in discussion of all the, the shows that are kicking off this time of year. It's kind of the front end of the show season. There's already been a couple, but they're really starting to get going this week and, and next week and on into March. Uh, 
John Bonani over at Plastic Posse Podcast said something. They're, <laughs> they're going to be at a show in Colorado that weekend. So none of those guys are going to be at uh, Heritage Con. But he said that this was the largest one-day show in North America. He's, he's correct. Um, the, the, the also, John, John came to our show every year up to the pandemic year. Yeah, and he hasn't been since because of the pandemic, obviously. So, so John's a—he's a, been—he knows us. He's been to our shows, and we've grown the show tremendously. So, yeah, it is the well, it's definitely the biggest show in Canada. I mean, John's is the biggest in North America, so I trust by his knowledge of all the shows. I, and I would as well. I, I, in fact, I mentioned in our last episode. I, he, he's not one to speak from a position of ignorance. So, if that's true, what's the what's the vendorscape going to look like? It's going to be busy. We, we have a high- <laughs> yeah, we have 130 vendors. 130 tables. Yeah, sorry, 130 tables. We've got a few of those are um, retail stores. A majority are people who sell their stash off or collections. So you have a wide variety. And uh, you know, need to bring the money. So there's also some good bargains. And the other big <laughs> thing is the raffle table. We have probably one of the one of the best raffle tables because we have a lot of very generous supporters in the manufacturing and distributor world. They're giving us some extremely fantastic kits for our raffle. So you should enter. And there's one individual raffle just for the Border Models Lancaster. I think Dave needs that. <laughs> yeah. I put it. <laughs> yeah. How the, how the heck am I getting that back across the border? <laughs> That's your trunk full. <laughs> I know where you can pick up a roof rack on Sunday. There you go. You You talked about the number of entrants. What are the number of entries, the number of models running? the? Land? I know COVID made things a little crazy, but uh, what do you expect as far as the number of models on the table? Well, this year, um, our, our expectations are probably, as the chief judge, my worst fears are probably going to exceed anything we've ever done before. Because of our limitations last year, we... Uh, a lot of people only brought a couple of things, and they'll they have this backlog that they want to bring. Well, how many did you have on the te- on the table last year? Last year we had we're just under seven hundred, seven hundred or eight hundred. It was it, it was eight hundred twenty four. Eight twenty eight twenty four. Wow, sorry, that yeah. is big. And in the year before the pandemic, twenty nineteen, nine hundred seventy six. Okay, so that's probably the. That's probably your. <laughs> That's your floor. That's maybe your floor. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. So, yeah, you guys are in a kind of unique spot because you're a little bit further out. You had the restrictions last year, which not not a lot of shows in in the United States did, if any did that. Uh, so, I'm excited. I'm glad we're coming, Dave. Yeah, I'm not. A, I am glad we're coming too. Yeah, we're we're yeah, glad you you're, you're going to uh, experience the wonderful Canadian hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh. I have experienced it before. I will tell you, I was at the last Canadian Nationals in Ottawa in 1992 oh. or 94, whatever, just early 90s. So I can I can swear to the Canadian hospitality. So a, a question I want to ask is is the, the the limitations on what can and cannot be entered in the contest as it pertains to past winners at your contest or past winners or places models that have placed at any level at an IPMS Canada event or an IPMS USA event. So what does that look like as far as the rules are concerned? 
Well, the rules uh, are actually published online, and it is models that have won a best of or a first place at an IPMS Canada or IPMS USA or a local competition prior to uh, last year's show uh, are not eligible. Uh, so if you've won a, a first place at a major show um, prior to, then you can bring it for show, but not eligible for for entry. And I'm assuming that this is all on the honor system. There's no real way for you all to be looking at, looking at every result for all the contests that have occurred in the past. I'm assuming you're you're simply relying on the honor of the modeler not to enter a model that's won a first place somewhere else previously. Uh, yeah, we rely on the modeler to 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 be honest about it, but we also have a lot of our. Uh, Volunteer judges are very uh, uh, aware of what's going on in other shows and contests, at least the majors. So if something shows up that has won someplace else, we can normally we can spot it if somebody tries to sneak it through. But, hey, all us modelers up here in Canada are so honest. Why would we try to do something <laughs> like that? And Dave's never won a hot award that high, so <laughs> he, he didn't have to worry. Maybe Ian, you could go through some of the best of awards uh, that that are maybe unique to to our show. Well, we have uh, actually uh, a couple of uh, standard awards, which everybody has the 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 best aircraft, best armor, all, all those wonderful ones. But we also have a couple of uh, unique awards just for HeritageCon. Um, and these are awards that generally we uh, have every year. They're not yearly specific. Uh, they are what we refer to as our patron awards. These are awards that the uh, uh, various groups or individuals have sponsored specifically. Uh, for us, and we have four of those this year. Um, there's the obviously the first one was the uh, uh, our best Canadian warplane heritage entry, uh, which is uh, sponsored by Arthur Redding uh, and well, Arthur Redding Foundation. So anything that represents an aircraft that is currently or was in the and the Canadian warplane heritage collection in the markings. That is eligible for best best award there. Uh, the Eve Christensen Award, which is uh, a, a, a modeler who passed a few years ago, who was uh, very uh, supportive of everything uh, modeling, uh, whose interests were modern armor. So we have a best modern armor award, uh, the Eve Christensen Award. And then we have another award from uh, a, a, another group who uh, uh is done in memorial of a, a local author who was a very avid modeler and supporter and historian, the Bob Bracken Memorial Award. And that award is for uh, the best aircraft, fighter aircraft flown by a Canadian fighter pilot in World War II. And that was sponsored by Sir Isaac Brock chapter of, uh, of IPMS. And the last award uh, in our patron awards is not something that has just shown up. It it may sound trendy, but it's not. It's been in our on our list for about five years now. It's the Antonov Award, um, 
Sergio uh, De Silva uh, has sponsored the the best Ukrainian subject. Uh, uh, so any subject of Ukrainian uh, material markings origin is uh, eligible for that award. So those are our four special awards beyond our best of categories. Now, when does the show open and when does it usually wrap up? Because that's always something that, you know, people try and get there early and they're always wondering how long the thing's going to go till everything wraps up. So what's your typical open and close? So the, the museum's doors will open at nine. Um, vendors and, uh, you know, volunteers, et cetera, will be there brighter, bright eyed and bushy tailed probably between six thirty and 7 AM. And of course there's always people who may want to try to sneak in the back door, but, uh, the door is open at nine. Um, there is an entry fee just to go through that. There's uh, entry to the museum, uh, and that's separate from any of your your entries for for actually putting a model into the competition. Um, and all of those funds, you know, the entry to the museum plus the the model entry fee of I think it's two dollars an entry. Um, that all goes back to the museum, which is you know who this show is for. Um, the we usually try to kick off the um, judging no later than noon and obviously there's a lot of work to do and ian and his team have a lot of work to do for a few hours uh, over the early part of the afternoon and and we usually try to get going with awards between 2 30 and 3 and let everyone uh you know wrap up and and head home by about 4 p.m um so it's a it's a fairly That's full pretty day efficient for that for that number of models, the judging teams must it's be busy. very efficient it is it's it's they're, busy, busy they're afternoon. busy <laughs> Can we put you down, Dave, for a you know Gundam uh, or sci-fi? Can we can we slot you in? Uh, 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 you see me day a show. It's going to depend. Uh, we're coming. We're coming that's a, up. That's to- a soft no. <laughs> no, really. I listen. I, I, I while I nobody likes to judge. Uh, you know, I, I understand what what an effort it is so you do think that you should from time to time contribute uh our big concern is that mike and i are coming up uh uh early evening on saturday Mm -hmm. and uh we're meeting a bunch of uh uh modelers mostly from ottawa and I'm not quite sure what kind of damage we're going to do Saturday night. So I don't, I don't want to tell you that I'll be in tip top shape on Sunday. So uh, we'll see, but I, I will at least try to, to think about judging a little bit. Hey, maybe Alan, you yeah. could, uh, there's a couple other events in the, in the, during the day to keep people occupied. Maybe you could speak to our guest uh, seminars and, and other things that will go on during the day. Oh Yeah. Yeah, we have um, the Panzermeister doing a demonstration, plus uh, Luft 72. And they'll be held in a separate area where we have the demonstration set up and uh, they'll be free to whoever attends. The other thing we have that come, that come is the uh, the Rebels and the 501 from the cosplayers, just to keep the kids entertained. We have those there as well. And our raffle table. And we... I can't say, but I'll let your show have it first. We may have a manufacturer doing a product launch at the show. Oh. We'll see how that goes. That's always exciting. That that could be interesting. 
and it's a major one too, not a minor. So, well, the the, the Panzermeister is one of our uh, Ottawa friends, so <laughs> yeah. hopefully he'll we'll, we'll make sure he's he's a good boy. Well, he's he's supposed <laughs> to drop by on on the Saturday evening and work through the technology to make sure everything's up to speed. So then we'll turn him over, uh, oh, turn him back good. over after that. And then uh, Chris there, Lafram. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, rumor is he, he 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 might uh, he might be hanging with us too a little bit. So yes. uh, we'll see. So our, our plan is like Dave said to come up there. Uh, by the time we get all our ducks in a row, it's going to be hopefully before dusk on Saturday. Days are getting a little longer, so we stand a little bit of a chance to do that. But uh, Jim Bates, Scale Canadian TV, is flying to Louisville, and then uh, he's going to make the land trek oh, with us. Good. Oh, good. so. We gotta have a lot of folks there at the show, and we're, we're really, really looking forward to it. So, uh, um, we figured, why not? It's it, it, the Sunday makes it a little hard for for us because uh, we got to take a vacation day to get back yeah. at a decent time, and uh, that's all right. Yeah. We don't well, do that we, too much. We did try and change it for you guys, but so the museum wasn't particularly forthcoming with saying a Saturday this year. Maybe in the future. I understand, sure. I, and. and that you know, not just for us. I, yeah, I, I know. The, 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 well, the I, I would think the Sunday is a little odd for everybody. Maybe yeah. it's just maybe I'm. No, wrong. I think I your know, your but, point's uh, taken. Like you know, I I used to live in Ottawa, and I've done that uh, southern Ontario to to Ottawa drive. That's a good five to six hours um, with stops, no weather. Um, so they have a long night ahead of them if they're there till four o'clock. So, you know, we, we've taken the feedback. It's a bit, it's, it's interesting how our shows evolved. Um, I was part of the club in, in 09 and that was in heritage con three or four. And we might've had 20 tables of models, you know, maybe less, like maybe we had 20 vendor tables. Um, it was, you know, new, new show. It was in February at that time. And, part of the reason and Alan could speak to the history more was we were on a Sunday because it wasn't a busy day. Sure. Um, yeah. I under, given the venue that makes, yeah. And sense. When I, I, I used to live in Ottawa. I moved back down to this Southern Ontario. And when I came back to the club in 2019, drastically different, right? Like hundreds of models on the table, the place is packed. And that's, that's just pretty incredible just for someone who's been at different ends of the spectrum here. So. Well, we figured it out, so we're going to be there. And uh, Dave, you got anything else to say? I mean, we're really looking forward to it. I'm, 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 we're glad we've made this decision, and uh, we can't wait. So we got a lot of stuff lined up outside of the show already, and really looking forward to the show. Yeah. Now I'm just worried that the uh, the Canadians won't let us into the country. Just you know? Don't forget your passports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, is there anything else about Heritage Con you'd like to say before we wrap it up? I think I think we covered everything from our side as far as yeah. I mean, again, a quick thing is just you know, say so we've also got a licensed restaurant on the on the on the site, and uh, there's also a gift shop at the museum. So there's always other areas to uh, spend your money. Um, I was actually just at the museum this afternoon with with my son and the Lancasters, you know, going through that winter maintenance. If someone's looking to see, you know, what does the inside of a Bombay actually look like or what do those Merlin engines actually look like? That's that's kind of the nice time of being uh, in the museum at this time of the year is there's there's lots going on. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. So really great to see everyone. Well, gentlemen, we thank you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Take care.
Well, Dave, I'm really looking forward to that and hope Jim gets to come. Me too. Uh, I was a little disappointed the guys wouldn't uh, take take the bribe to move the show a month further along to give me a little more time to finish up the Mooseroo, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is, and we're going to have a good time with our Canadian friends at our off-site location. Yep. Got that all lined up. It's going to be a good time, man. Yes, it should be a great time. Well, in addition to talking to the Hamilton crew, we talked to somebody else. Yep. Mr. Lynn Pilhoffer, show chairman for the 2023 IPMS National Convention in San Marcos, Texas. Stop by for a few words and uh, let's have a listen, Dave. You got it. Come and make it in Texas, Dave. We're getting close, man. At the time of this recording, as my math is correct, it's 162 days away from the IPMS National Convention in San Marcos, Texas. And we got a treat tonight for our update. We have Mr. Big Boss Show Chairman himself, uh, Lynn Pilhoffer on the line. Lynn, what is going on? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good to, good to talk to you. And Dave, good to talk to you as well tonight. So are you, you, you anxious? You ready? I I I think when I saw, I saw you guys last year in Omaha, my one overall comment was I want this convention to be to, to I, I could have it tonight if I could because um, <laughs> we've been talking about this thing since 2017 I think yes and we won the bid in 2018 then COVID decided to you know as everybody knows you know we had to postpone it um, but no I am ready to have this convention you you are the one show chairman who has lived. Every show chairman's nightmare. Uh, you know, the the show chairman takes on this responsibility of of you know putting on the national and and I've talked to a number of them and they all talk about nightmares for the month beforehand where yeah. something you know they show up at the venue and it's not booked or not, there are no well, yeah, tapes. Yep, yep, all the yep. but you lived the actual nightmare of having the nationals canceled due to a pandemic. I remember watching the news, you know, was it late 2019, early 2020? And then I think it was around February, February February, time. Yeah. This time last, last week in February, first week in March in March is when everything started unraveling across the country. And I was like, Oh my God, what is, you know, is this going to affect the show? And then that's when we started discussions with the e-board at the time, uh, John Nowak and, TJ Mizulek, you know, who was the second VP, second VP at the time, and we were having weekly discussions about what are we going to do. Well, and you and uh, I ended up uh, yeah, getting, Dave, getting yeah, you to, were, yep. to, to meet and talk and work out yep. a, work out a deal As to lawyer. Yeah, we were talking with the Embassy Suites with their general manager on you know what options yep. we had, and we got so, it worked out. But uh, yep. So so you you more than any other show chairman have to be really ready for this show. I yeah, I feel like I'm over ready and I'm over I'm I'm over analyzing the little things a little too much um to the point where I just have to sometimes you know if it seems like I nobody can get a hold of me I'm just I'm backing away on purpose because I feel like I'm so close to everything sure. um, and I have to sit back and let my team and I am uh, set back and let my team do, you know, do the work, the details that they're that they that they want to work, whether it's registration or the contest or um, vendors or the seminars. Uh, you know, everything's everything's chugging along, and we're getting close to a point where we're going to be releasing a lot more details, and we can talk about that tonight. 
Well, uh, okay, why don't you just go ahead and start and give us an overview of the show and and what what all sure. what all you've got on on yep. on tap and the uh, the big thing, of course, I think everybody knows this. It's you know it's San Marcos, Texas, uh, halfway between Austin and San Antonio along I thirty five. Yeah, uh, it's at the Embassy Suites, uh, and attached to the Embassy Suites is a convention center, the San Marcos Convention Center, and uh, it's going to be the second through the fifth of August uh, this summer. We are uh, like you guys, most everybody knows. We you know the rooms went on sale back in the. 2022 back in the was it September was it we put we opened the room block up and it, for for 10 minutes <laughs> for 10 yeah, I think in three minutes I think there's the room sold out I, oh I know yeah it under five it, minutes um, it was very quick very quick yeah 260 rooms in the room block but according to the last room I think we're up to 267 because some folks talked to Hilton to get their rooms yeah under you know moved under the under the uh, the convention rate. Uh, so we're, I think the like third Friday and Saturday night we're at like 267 rooms out of the 280 that are in the in the hotel. Sure. Uh, so we're at max capacity, uh, and so we've been in a lull the last few months uh, as every year. You all have, in addition to the hotel that is attached to the convention center, yeah. you all have other convention hotels that you've got convention rates and all. Are all of those are all of those booked up now? No, the there is still room. Uh, so the the Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn Express, and the Candlewood Suites in San Marcos are all all, all owned by uh, the Haven Management Group. And I we uh, we have worked out a contract with Haven Management Group for as uh, to make them the overflow properties. Now the one that's right across I thirty five, the other side of I thirty five from. The MC Suites is the Holiday Inn Express, and that one has shown the most number of bookings. Um, I think we're up around, I think, 30 or 40 rooms, I think, in that hotel that are IPMS, that are booked through the, the website uh, for the, with the IPMS code. And there's a few more up at the Holiday Inn and also the Candlewood Suites. So there are hotel rooms available for folks? Yeah. yeah yes, there are. Pulling the trigger and making that last-minute decision. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go. Yeah, and it benefits what it, it benefits IPMS if people book with, through IP. So if you go to our website, nats2023.com, and you go to the hotel link, and then it'll list the four hotels: Embassy Suites, and then the Holiday Inn Express, Holiday Inn, and Candlewood Suites. Those those other three, the Overflow. If you book through the links on our website, they'll be book through the with the IPMS code and then IPMS is actually getting room tax rebates from the city of San Marcos um, if we for all the number of room nights that we are buying from nice. the hotels in the city and I'm putting that money toward the uh, shuttle service that we're close to nailing down Good. so we're gonna run I've shuttles from the airport uh, Austin Airport down to the down to the embassy suites on Wednesday and Thursday and then we're going to run a local shuttle on Wednesday through Saturday. That's going to do a loop throughout San Marcos from like eight in the morning to eight eight o'clock at night. That um, that is really really good news. And I think that's one of the things you know people want to be in the hotel that's attached to the convention yeah. center. The way yours is set up, you don't have quite that luxury as far as size and all. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the the hotel and the convention center is is, is right sized. It's you know it's just like Omaha. It's a really great. Yeah. Uh, property. However, 
it's not very walk friendly uh, right. in that area, unfortunately. And I wish it was. I wish there was more stuff that you could walk to and from. But it's just that's just the way Texas is. When you're, especially <laughs> when you're situated along I-35, you know, everybody's got their pickup trucks and their yeah. SUVs, and that's how they get around. But um, but you make up for it by running a shuttle between all the hotels. Yeah, so and- we're ho- yeah, and I just got the contract and the quote from the. It took a few months to get this nailed down. That's why I haven't been talking about it much. Um, uh, but we're close. I should be getting the contract in my hands any day now from the shuttle from the bus company in San Marcos, and it looks like we can work it within our budget for the show to run to run a shuttle. So we're going to run it between the main embassy suite. You know, the main anchor point will be embassy suites. Uh, there'll be a bus stop in downtown San Marcos. So if you want to do lunch or hit one of the bars in downtown, you can do that. And it's only like a three four mile drive. It's not it's not a long drive right. at all, but it's I, not walkable. I, I hear very good things about downtown San Marcos. Yeah, it's nice. The, it's a, the, you know, it's an old Texas town that, you know, the rest of it grew up around it, but the downtown area has still got some very old buildings and it's actually pretty, pretty cool to visit there. Um, and then the shuttle will hit the three extra hotels, the overflow hotels, and we're going to do a stop at the uh, outlet mall. There's a huge outlet mall just to the south of the venue. So all the IPMS wives uh, can go spend oh, money. Oh, it's a good you know, idea. At, at, yes, while their hubbies spend money on on plastic <laughs> at the show, um, and then the shuttle will loop back up to Embassy Suites. So those are the the, the main stops we're going to do for like a twelve hour period on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's great news. Yeah. So once that's all ironed out, once I actually have the contract in hand and it's been signed, then I will put the details up on our website, nats2023.com, uh, under the uh, events link. We'll have a transportation uh, page that'll have the bus route and the schedule. I'll have all that on there in the coming month or so. Now, one of my favorite parts is, if you've listened to the podcast before, one of my favorite parts of any nationals is the seminars. Yes. So I assume you have a pretty full seminar slate. Yes, we do. And John Bonani, our second VP, he's actually our seminar coordinator because when we first did, you know, planning our convention for 2020, back in 2018, I made a public comment that I was looking for a uh, seminar coordinator. I think I said that during the uh, banquet when we were when we were doing the when I was giving the briefing on 2020. And then after the banquet, Banani approached me, said, "Hey, I, can I be your seminar coordinator?" I said, "Heck yeah, you're on, you're you're, you're on." <laughs> Um, so he is right now actually getting me details and we are close to putting the seminar schedule up on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, website as well. I was going to ask you about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. John owes. Yeah. Seriously. It's the first thing when I show up at a national convention and I get yeah. my, my convention packet yep. is I go in there and I pull out the seminar schedule and start yep. highlighting the stuff that I want to go to. Yep. Yep. John is right now working. He's working some extra, um, what we're what we're calling workshops, the paid yep. seminars, where you know, like the Grex Airbrush, right? Um, seminar. We're calling those workshops, and he's actually working a couple extras that we haven't seen before. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about those until those are <laughs> finalized with the actual presenters. Um, but we'll have those up on the website as well, and the tickets for those will be on sale on the first of March when the when the pre registration goes live. That's the question I was about to ask you. When does pre-registration yep. go? One March is our target date we're shooting for. Um, there are some uh, very heavy lifters, heavy hitters sitting behind the behind the scenes. 
one guy named Mike Oberholzer, who's our IPMS <laughs> treasurer, yeah. and uh, Nancy Kennedy Hackney, who is the registrar for last year's show in right. Omaha. She's helping out Mike and our team getting all the registration details set up in Wild Apricot. So yeah. when it goes live, all the stuff in there, all the prices, and the, you know, it will be set and ready to go. For listeners who don't know, IPMS went this past year to a new software backbone for all of the operations called Wild Apricot is the name of the of software, software slash, right, yep. slash company. And one of so this is going to be the first time that the convention registration is actually run through this. No, it's run like Omaha used it oh, for the first time last year. Oh, did they actually use yep. Wild? Okay. Well good. Then you that that takes one of your worries away. But yep. as anyone who's listened to me knows Pre-registration is the key. You do not want yes. to waste valuable convention time standing <laughs> in line to register the day you're, you get there. Pre-register, all you then do is walk yep. up, say your name, the, the nice person behind the table turns around, pulls your packet out, hands it to you, and you're done. It's it gives up. you your name tag, which is your, your ticket to fun. Exactly. You Once you have your name tag, then the door guards will allow you to pass. Yes. So pre-register March 1st. Get yep. in there. Get in there early. Get it done. Now, for the listeners' perspective, this episode will drop Friday the 24th. February is a short one. So okay. uh, we're looking at Wednesday. Of, yep, uh, Wednesday the 1st. Yep. Or 1st of next week. And, and Len, let's, yeah. let's put the other bookend on it. When does pre-registration close? 30th of June. 30th of June. So that's that's yep. well in advance of the show. So yep. guys, yeah, we need time to make to make the packets and pack the bags and all that all the goodies that, you know, we need time to prep those. Uh so that's why we're closing pre-reg on the 30th of June. Sure. So don't dawdle. Get it done. Get yourself pre-registered. Don't yep. want to be there on July 1st and realize that you put it off, and yep. now you're going to have to go stand in line. But don't worry if you if you're in a situation where you don't know what your summer looks like, and then you decide you can make it to the convention. You can register at the convention. Yes. Yeah. All right, Mike. I've dominated. You ask him a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's going to want to know what the situation for the for the vendors' room is going to be looking like, and uh, yeah, it's going to be very similar to the size that Omaha has because the um, the property actually the, the the Embassy Suites in San Marcos and Embassy Suites in uh, Omaha La Vista property specifically. Uh, were built by the same company. You know, it was at 15, almost 20 years ago now. And uh, so the, while, while the floor plan is a little different, the actual size of the rooms, of the ballrooms that we're going to be using are within just a few square feet of each other, uh, with, you know, nice. in size. So it's very similar in size. Um, we are in a sold-out situation right now with, with vendor tables. Uh, we're just north of 300 tables. Um that have been sold or reserved, uh, and so we're going to looking at a very fat vendor room. Uh, actually, on the website, if you go to the website right now, uh, nats2023.com, and you click on the vendors, I did, uh, and I'm, I'm the webmaster, by the way. I've been teaching myself HTML and CSS and JavaScript nice. by creating this website, um, 
and I did code the, I did create the uh, vendor page with all the attending vendors. What's next? It's go to yeah, nats2023.com/vendors, and then click on attending vendors, and there's just a list of all the vendors. What I'm t- doing soon is with our vent- with coordination with our vendor coordinator is going to create a floor plan map to show where all these vendors are going to be, and we'll put that up on the website as well when I have all the details squared away. Now, do you all have a uh, a waiting list for vendors? Yes, we do. Yeah, yes, we do. And sometimes, you know, vendors will 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 back out. Like for example, um, Zukimura is on. Uh, they they want to come. They've told us they're coming, uh, but they're unsure about if COVID rears its ugly head again and what Japan sure. will do. Um, so I told them that they, you know, they have until May to to pay for their tables. Um, but we're going to hold them for hold the tables for them. But if they back out because of you know Japanese uh, COVID. Uh, protocol, then um, those tables might open up for for others. Uh, so we're telling vendors who want to get into the show, even if we're sold out, please t- contact our vendor coordinator, get on his list, and if something opens up, you know we'll get you in there. So vendors who are potential vendors should go ahead and still yeah, please contact let us. You. Yeah, yep, and go to our website nats2023.com and click on vendors. Mm-hmm. And then there's a contact link on the right side that sends you to Stan Spooner, who's our uh, vendor coordinator. And another topic we talk about with uh, our show chairman we've had over the last couple of years is the uh, trophy sponsorship status and situation and what opportunities are still there. Yep, there's still plenty of opportunities with trophy sponsorships. I think we're at about maybe a 25%. That's just a, a rough estimate based on looking at the at the current list. If you Also, if you go to our webpage, if you go to, to the contest and then uh, – contest classes and categories it'll list all the 2023 categories the the new you know the changes that have been made by the ncc and then the current sponsors as they stand right now and of course the aircraft is really fat with sponsors uh as it always is uh so i yeah we're about at 25 percent we're pushing for more of course and i'll do more um emails and announcements in the coming months to help push those um but yeah for 95 dollars you can sponsor a, a category uh, that'll help pay for the, the first, second, and third trophies uh, for the for that category that you that you sponsor, and your name will go on the uh, on the table tent for that category, and it'll be on the slide on the on the on the actual slide that the uh, slide um, awards ceremony uses uh, during the presentation. What you got, Dave? Anything else? Eating, as far as dining out, one of the things that I enjoy when I go to a national is trying the local food. Uh, in, in Kansas City, it was barbecue. In Vegas, yep. Mike and I ended up going to a German restaurant. Um, what's, what's the restaurant situation look like? It's excellent. There's a lot of good local joints. Um, there is a place called um, Hayes County Barbecue, which is right up the road from the MC Suites, a little further north, it's called, um, yeah, Hayes County Barbecue, and that place is fantastic. Barbecue, of course, in Texas, you know, it's a little different than further north, but uh, Texas barbecue is fantastic. My personal favorite, after living in Texas all these years, has been um, Mexican food. I just love it. I love hitting the local Mexican joints yep. uh, whenever I can. And I am looking forward to to trying some Mexican slash Tex-Mex food. Yep. While I'm there. Well, Lynn, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know at this point? We got the registration opening up and 
yeah, keep your eyes peeled on the website for the, on the first of March. Um, on the home page, we have do have a registration link that'll once that link goes live, that'll take you to the Wild Apricot uh, Convention registration site that IPMS owns that I mentioned that Mike Oberholzer is uh, putting together. And so that'll take you out of our website and send you directly to IPMS because all the money go all the money handling goes to IPMS does not does not go to the local uh, chapter that's running that that's hosting the convention. Um, so when you, there's a convention registration link on the main page, just go there and you can choose everything that you want to purchase, and uh, it should be should be easy. You have a shirt and a pin this year. Yes, we do, and I'll be getting up. I'll be getting those up on the website as well here this week, uh, so that when you go to, if you decide if you want to purchase a, a t-shirt or a hat, we'll show you exactly what they look like. I have wow. images, uh, test images of the t-shirts. I actually have the actual hats themselves. Uh, we have a, both a white one and a black one that's got the show logo. Um, you know, the come and come and make it with the airbrush cannon on it. Uh, one of the things I always make sure that I get every convention is t-shirt and a pin and yep. uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the ones from yep. San Yeah, t-shirts we're able to keep them to $20 this year inflation well, hasn't hit us too bad. Yeah, 20 bucks for a t-shirt, 20 bucks for a hat. Um, we are going to sell a limited amount of extra pins. We're keeping of course, you know, the the, the most of the stash, you know, ready for the for for the registration packets. Um, but we will sell extra extra pins. You can buy those online, and they'll be in your packet if you do buy extra. Um, but yeah, so yeah, my message for everybody is yeah, the first of March, and then once the first of March hits us, then you're going to start seeing a lot more details from my team as we head into the spring. Uh, and then I'm, I, you know, of course, I'll be if you guys want to have me on again in a few months when we have more details ironed out, I'll be more than happy to come on and, and talk about them. We'll definitely have you on at least one more time, of course, as the, yeah, as the convention gets close. Because yep. I'm telling you, I'm a huge support. The last two years, Vegas and Omaha, I have had numerous listeners come up to me and tell me that it's their first convention and that the reason they came, they came was that we talked about Talk it, about it on, yeah. on the and it is. I I remember my first convention. I was what like, was your was, first one? Let's uh, it was actually relatively new. I'm a relatively new member of IPMS. Oh. Um, so 2017, Omaha 2017 was my first oh, okay. one, and that was a good one. That was that a was good a good one. one. And I was like, oh my god, where where has this where have I been? You know, why have I not gone to these before? Um, if you're in a if yeah, if you're in a scale modeling, this is the this is the place to go every summer. It is, and I'm going to show my age. My first one was Indianapolis, Indiana, 1985. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get involved in IPMS until I retired from the Air Force when I stopped moving around. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, I think I can do some do some stuff with my free with the, with the free time I suddenly had. There and you I go. got back into scale modeling and and fell into my local club in San Antonio, and then the rest is history. Well, Lynn, thanks for joining us this evening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you yeah, this summer. Yeah, Mike, it's good talking to you. Dave, it's All good right. talking to you, too. Thank you for the invite, and I'm looking forward to next time. Yep. All right. Well, I'm really excited about that trip, too, Dave. That's, you and me uh, both. If it all comes to fruition, it sounds like it's going to be you and me and our Canadian stowaway yeah. cruising down on a 15-hour haul to San Marcos, Texas from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> well, that's we're going to have to sit down and map that out, man. You know, later in the year, 
out by the pool with a drink in hand. We're going to have to pull out a map and map out how we want to go and where we want to stop, et cetera, et cetera. Because that's going to be an epic adventure. So, Mike, uh, we're getting here toward the end of the episode. And uh, I assume that means toward the end of the modeling fluid. So how's your modeling fluid? Uh, the Cerveza from uh, West Six here in, in Lexington is a good beer. It's nothing fancy, just a good solid, just a good solid beer, man. I recommend it. I recommend most of the West Six brews if you're in their distribution. They're all yeah. pretty good. I'm more curious about yours though. How'd that go? It it got better over time. That initial sip or first few sips very malty, um, which isn't particularly my thing. Uh, but as you got into the beer, that kind of disappeared just simply because you were now used to it. Um, I'm sure the 7.5% ABV didn't hurt as far as lessening your attention to the malt. It's definitely, it's dark, but it's not chocolate dark. It's, it's heavy, but it's not super heavy it's not like a porter or a cream stout heavy it's it's drinkable i can see this being the beer's called winter ride and i can see this definitely being a beer you know you come in after shoveling the driveway or whatever and you've got the you know plate of sausages and whatever on the on the plate and (laughs) cracking open a beer and tying into a, a nice winter meal now, luckily for us, winter seems to be disappearing quickly around uh, around Kentucky. In fact, it was it's predicted to be uh, record-setting seventy-five degrees tomorrow. So maybe this this the time for this beer has probably passed. But I I wouldn't turn my nose up up uh, up at it if it was served to me. Well, I'm curious what your next adventure is going to be. Like you said, that's the last of your Christmas beer. Yep. I'm going to have to come up with something new. All right. Mike, uh, do you have any shout outs for this episode? Dave, I want to shout out all the folks who have uh, taken the time and the desire to support the show through either Patreon Patreon or uh, PayPal. If anyone would like to join the ranks of those who have done that uh, and would like to make a recurring contribution, you can do that by going to www.patreon.com slash Plastic Model Mojo. There you can make a recurring contribution from any amount from a dollar on up, and uh, they'll handle the billing for that. Take care of all that for you. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution or manage manage everything yourself, you can do that via PayPal. And you can do that by going to www.plasticmodelmojo.com, our our homepage for the podcast. In the upper right-hand corner of the homepage is a heart icon that will take you to paypal and there you can do whatever you'd like and uh folks we sure appreciate it um keeps this thing moving forward so thank you thank you very much absolutely i second that thank you very very much uh my shout out is to the guys from hamilton our canadian friends uh they've been very welcoming and very encouraging not only having 
chosen as a musaru, a subject and scale that I can actually have a hope of building. That's another reason I need to finish this. But also, uh, they've just been really, really a good group of guys in trying to, to get Mike and I to come up there and to let us know uh, you know, how welcome we'd be up there, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it, I've got to say. All right, man, Dave, we are at the end of this episode. You know what they say, Mike. So many kids, Dave. So little time, Mike. All right, man, stay good.